Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and get a unique WordPress website or store right away. From there, you can customize your design, colors, and content. And Bluehost automatically helps you get found in search engines like Google and Bing. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins, Bluehost makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. The Ad News Podcast, the podcast that celebrates the industry's penchant for a sociable drop and a chat. You're listening to Podcast, the Ad News Podcast, which is sponsored by The Trade Desk and produced for Ad News by Nova Entertainment in their Sydney studios. I'm Rosie Baker, the Ad News Editor, and I'm joined by Ad News Journalist Lindsay Bennett. Today in Podcast, we're talking to MNC Saatchi CEO James Leggett and Chief Strategy Officer Justin Graham, as well as Brett Dawson, the CEO of media agency Bohemia, the latest addition to the MNC Saatchi Group following the recent acquisition. Welcome to Podcast. So that was some big news last week from MC Saatchi and Bohemia. Do you want to talk us through the the idea behind it and how it all came about, James? Look, you know, MC Saatchi, we've known for some time that uh, we exist in a crazy world where media and, and creative are disconnected from one another. We've spoken to our clients on a daily basis and we've heard them um, talk about their frustrations of a, with a lack of a single customer view, a single strategy that binds both the media output and the, and the creative output. We've talked a lot about the importance of content and context and that neither being more powerful than the other, but actually the two together being so much greater than the sum of the parts. So we've known that we needed to bring media um, into the MNC Saatchi group for a while. The challenge uh, was how. And uh, I guess it's probably been a year or two that we've been um, in market looking. And we looked at three different approaches. Firstly, we looked at making an acquisition. Uh, Secondly, we looked at did we JV with um, a media partner? Or thirdly, did we set up something on our own? And each of which we've, we've fraught with complexity. Setting something up on our own was challenging because... If you want to be the best media agency in the world, you need to have the best people, uh, you need to have the best technology, and you need to have the best relationships. Uh, and deep pockets as well. And, and deep pockets, all, all of which invariably comes at a cost, right? And we weren't in a position to develop our own proprietary um, software to do some of the attribution modeling and um, work that we needed to do. The uh, making an acquisition and the JV approach was challenging for us because um, there is a complexity in the black box of media and where where, where revenue may or may not be earned. And uh, invariably in a joint venture, you are sharing costs and sharing revenue um, and there needs to be a degree of transparency in that. Uh, what we were mindful of was that we didn't want to become the new business arm for a media group. Uh, what we wanted to do was to improve the output to our clients, but in do it in such a way that helped our business to progress in, in a changing world. And I guess the same complexity uh, was brought to bear on making an acquisition until we met uh, Brett and the guys from Bohemia. And what we found with them was that an absolute simpatico in terms of relationship, 
um, in terms of culture as a, as a business um, and a model which we understood, a, a simple, clear and transparent model, a model that is auditable by clients. And Brett, for you on the kind of media side, what, what does the kind of acquisition mean to you and, and the media side of the business coming closer together with a creative agency? Well, for um, well, for the Bohemians, I suppose we're brimming with excitement. Um, we've been open to the notion of partnering for growth um, and to find better work for our clients. And um, in James and Justin and the, the team at MNC Saatchi, we kind of found a, a good, smart um, group of people that we, first of all, we kind of aligned with uh, just in terms of how we viewed uh, the world and the way we did business. I really respect uh, them and, and, and their model. Um, but we, we kind of also, I mean, James said, uh, we're a group of people that are kind of empowered to be their authentic self. And that really resonated with us as, you know, a group of bohemians who've kind of stood out on the edge a little bit in our five years of existence. So um, the, the chemistry was there from, from, from the start. So we were really interested in kind of exploring the, 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 the next frontier together and bringing our uh, kind of media smarts and IP to the table, but really, really interested in uh, the notion of creativity and the power of creativity. And it's, it's so important in this um, odd demand kind of world that we live in where, you know, message filtering and interruption is, is just, just not cutting it. Uh, it well, it's interruption-based advertising is just not cutting it anymore. So the notion of being able to solve our clients' problems through the lens of creativity uh, and media was really, really interesting to us. And so when we spoke last week, James, you said that it's kind of madness that media and creativity is sort of split out and that, you know, that's been, you know, a few decades in the making and a lot of people look back on that as a as a big kind of mistake in the industry. I mean, what, what's your kind of view on that from your side, Brett? Because obviously you started as a, a media agency driven by sort of data and technology. Has media, has creativity always been important to the Bohemians? Yeah, I mean, creativity runs through our, through our veins. Um, I suppose it's just a different take on creativity. And if you, if you, if you look at the MNC Saatchi group, like it's a collective of creative businesses that solve problems through different um, lenses of creativity, if, if, if you will. So the exciting bit is that we'll, we'll be, uh, the, you know, the only media specialist in the group and be able to bring our craft to the table. But um, for our clients, offer, a, a, you know, a number of different ways into problem solving. Um, you know, advertising is not always the answer. So um, that's incredibly exciting for our clients, but it's also really exciting for, for our staff. We call them bohemians and they will get exposed and get to learn from creative kind of creative experts. So their, their, their ability to grow and learn will, um, you know, will increase significantly as a result of this. I think it's uh, a little known fact that our founder, Lord Morris Saatchi actually, and Charles were the ones that pulled it apart. Uh, and, and they will talk about when they were, you know, in the 90s at Saatchi and Saatchi and, and we've spoken to Morris and he quite openly says money pulled it apart and actually logic and customers will pull it back together. Uh, and I think that's the world that we live in now in that there's a logic around how we need to engage with customers. Uh, and I love the idea of building a new business model around customer first. And that sounds like somewhat of a cliche, but it's actually just the world that we live in now. Uh, you know, the old disruption of um, 
I guess, uh, mass, uh, a mass media approach uh, is certainly not dead, but there's just new opportunities to be able to marry creativity with, with context in a lot better way. And Brett uh, just then was talking a lot about the craft of what they do. And we love that. We love that word craft. I don't think it's a, a word associated in the media space enough. We talk a lot about the craft of what we do and we're just looking forward to that. So to answer your question, I think the, the clients are really excited about what that craft can look like, um, how we help them move to a new definition of what creativity can be uh, everything's being disrupted and we need to go and uh, take them to that place uh, that it's not around technology and putting things into a technology space it's around insight and pulling that back uh, and there's barriers that exist at the moment that that uh, sometimes uh, prop up just through structural challenges and we're hoping that this um, this marriage can actually break down some of those structural barriers I think that's really interesting about it being the the Saatchis that kind of broke it apart in the beginning. I actually didn't know that. It's something quite nice and full circle about things kind of coming back to the beginning mm. in that. Um, in terms of the acquisition, I mean, Bohemia is a, a young media agency um, and went kind of full throttle from right from the very beginning. You sort of won Media Agency of the Year and Emerging Agency of the Year of our award programs and just had a really successful couple of years so it's probably no surprise that it's been a kind of tough sort of six months and 12 months in the market um how does this help kind of shore up the way that bohemia goes about what it does and kind of keep what's at the heart of the business sort of alive among those sort of struggles yeah well um absolutely we've had a um a, 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 i suppose a, a challenging last uh, six months um, so, look, I, I'm really excited by the potential that it brings. It allows us to retain all that has made Bohemia great, our challenging spirit, um, our real deep love of um, the power of strategy, um, our, our entrepreneurialism in making our own IP and technology. All of those things um, remain. But I suppose now what we have is a... Um, a, a family, a parent group, if you will, that's um, going to invest in us and um, come on a journey with us um, for the longer term and um, kind of bring the best of what we've got into their world to improve their product and likewise we can do that um, with ours. So I think it's a, it's a, you know, it's a, it's a one plus one equals three type view is, is, is the way we're looking at it right now. And I guess the discussion of um, the acquisition was in the works for about nine months. What kind of concerns and kinks had to be worked out for it to come full circle and us be here today? Look, I wouldn't, I wouldn't articulate it as uh, kinks, but it's incredibly difficult to start a business. You know, typically you've got a job, it's good, you're getting paid, life's happy, you see an opportunity. Uh, a lot of people have been in that position and very few people have jumped. Uh, so you've got this group of people that step away from secure jobs to, to follow a belief and a dream. And it's harder still then to make, to fulfill that dream and to make it a reality. And Brett and the team had done that. Along comes uh, MNC Saatchi. You know, we're a confederation of entrepreneurs, but we, we like to see ourselves as a 21-year-old startup. But we come along and say, look, we think you guys are brilliant. And uh, we think that our businesses are complementary to one another and we think that together the total will be greater than the sum of the parts. It's an attractive proposition on paper, but the reality is it's quite an emotional journey that you have to go on as a founder to, to relinquish control of your business, the thing that you had conceived and had grown, 
um, to become part of something bigger. So I don't know, Brett, love your point of view, but I'm, from our perspective, there was, a, there was a bit of flirtation. You know, we had to, we had to prove to them that we were the right type of partners. Um, and I think it, it took about six months to probably go on that journey. A lot of dinners, a lot of drinks, a lot of chat. And then the last three months, they're doing the deal. That's the easy part. Once you know that this is something that's right for both of your businesses and for your teams of people, then, then the functionality of doing a deal is pretty straightforward. Mm. You say yourself you're a 21-year-old startup and um, independence has always been super important to the both of you. How important is, I guess, the independent agency scene in Australia? Incredibly important. Uh, I think without it, uh, the Australian industry would be significantly further behind than it is. You know, it's really interesting. We are the 10th largest country in the OECD, but the third most awarded creatively. I I think that is something we should be incredibly proud of. And the only reason we're in that position is because the independents keep on driving. Every day there's a new agency out there trying to do something different. Uh, and that keeps the, the larger independents like ourselves um, hungry on our toes. It forces us to evolve, which in turn forces the networks to evolve. I think the Australian industry is one of the most competitive in the world and something we should all be fiercely proud of. Because it's interesting when you talk about the sort of the size of the Australian market and the, how high up this sort of creative list are, because you look at a market like Canada, which is similar in terms of like economic GDP and that kind of thing, and the industry is a similar size, but it doesn't reach the kind of creative heights that Australia does, and I think that's, that's definitely a thing to be proud of. But talking about sort of independence and the importance of that sort of scene here, do you think that it's more under threat than it has been um, in recent years because the multinationals just keep growing in, in scale and scale and um, it's difficult to compete. I mean, is that happening faster here than it has done in recent years? Look, I, I, yeah, I think that our industry is probably no different to any other industry, that there seems to be giant companies moving through and swallowing up everything in their path. And you look at the Googles, the Amazons, um, the apples of the world that continue to move in new places. I don't think our industry is any different around that. But outside of that, then you get this whole birth of new creativity and new entrepreneurialism that uh, challenges the status quo. And all of a sudden, uh, Amazon becomes the norm and you have another organisation that's, that's challenging Amazon. And I think the same thing will happen in our industry as well and will continue to happen. Here's some extraordinary stats around um, the Fortune 500 companies that won't be around in five years' time. I think it's up to 80% at, at this stage, which is just... Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and get a unique WordPress website or store right away. From there, you can customize your design, colors, and content. And Bluehost automatically helps you get found in search engines like Google and Bing. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins, Bluehost makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. 
extraordinary that that uh, you know that eighty percent of them we haven't probably heard of yet or know of them as a small piece. It's that old quote which is the future is here. It's just unevenly distributed, um, and they're probably those independent businesses that are challenging the big guys, which is great. I'll just interrupt you on that because I don't believe in this point about the the networks dominating. Uh, if we were car manufacturers, I'd absolutely agree with you. But our industry is changing so quickly, and I believe the independents are best placed to evolve. You know, today we're making cars, tomorrow we're making planes, the day after that we're making boats, right? And our businesses have to change, the model has to change, the environment needs to change to reflect that. And the independents, those with an entrepreneurial proactive culture, are, are best able to evolve to that. And we absolutely see ourselves in that world. You know, MNC Saatchi is not um, a big global network. Uh, we are a confederation of entrepreneurs. Every day, our business is changing. Uh, and this Bohemia deal is a reflection of that. Because we talk a lot to agencies in the market, as you'd expect, about the, the future model of agencies, whether it's media or creative or digital or altogether or, or what, some new model that hasn't even kind of been um, thought up yet. What model do you think will be successful in the future? We've talked a lot about change and diversity, but... Do you think that there's one one sort of direction that things are going or do you think that it's a kind of a scattergun, all and, all and everything will work? I don't believe there's one model that will work, uh, but I fundamentally believe that uh, the advertising model as it currently exists is broken. Um, being paid for by time and materials is madness. Uh, we talk about disruption in every area of our business. Our clients' businesses are being disrupted. Uh, invariably, their, mar their, um, their marketing budgets uh, are being reduced, yet the outputs that agencies have been asked to deliver is increasing. Um, so the margin is invariably in decline, and that's not going to change. Um, in saying that, what we produce has never been more valuable. Creativity and the impact it has on driving business transformation is more profound today than it was yesterday and certainly will be more profound again tomorrow. So what we know is that what we do has never been more important, but we also know that the model that we adopt has never been more broken. And that is an exciting opportunity for us to reinvent ourselves. You know, MNC Saatchi group ambition is that 30% of our revenue is generated from non-time-based sources by 2020, um, which is forcing us to think about the model, how we invest our money, where we invest our money, um, and how we remunerate it as a result. Mm. Yeah, I, think, just, just gonna say, I think in some ways we're pushing in two different ways. You're almost bringing back the old school definition of an agent in that you're just an agent of creativity and solutions into clients. And on the other hand, you're absolutely forming a, an equity partnership with clients uh, and, take, and taking skin in the game around the success of what you do. I hired uh, a young strategist into our innovation business, Tricky Jigsaw, in the last six months. And he came to us because he had a whole bunch of ideas and what he wanted was an avenue to talk to some of our clients. So there's a really interesting value exchange there between we get to have his brilliant services and we also allow him a passage if it makes sense because we understand what the business challenge is for him to bring ideas through us and we will together take ownership around that. So that's quite different views on where a business can go but I think you have to be flexible to be able to push in both paths. So Brett? I yeah, I, I'm like absolutely agree I'm quite an optimist and I see a, a beautiful future in outcome based um, remuneration models um, purely because um, the power of creativity is increasing in its ability to drive commercial outcomes so if we can move beyond um, input based remuneration 
time, resources and towards outcome and agencies are paid and or earn a fair portion of that outcome, our future is, um, is incredibly bright if, if the work that we produce is, is good. Mm. Tying into that, I guess owning IP and uh, developing products is a conversation that kicks off within c- creativity. Um, Justin, James, I know you've had a lot of experience with that with Cleverboy and other products. What's your kind of view on this role and how it should evolve in the future? It's a shit fight at the moment. <laughs> Can uh, I definitely quote you on it's a shit fight? <laughs> uh, but it's a necessary one for both sides of, the, of, of for both camps. Um, people, a lot of people get very excited about IP because they feel like they need to own things and they feel like they need to be more valued for the work that they're doing. I think it will settle itself down that there's just a natural exchange around people understanding the value that they bring to the table, being able to quantify that as well, being able to then measure the value that they bring to the table uh, and then collectively share both the upside and the downside. I think uh, realistically agencies haven't done a good job in the past of going to clients and showing the value they add and really sharing the downside as much as the upside. Speaking to some senior marketers in the last few years, they will openly say uh, it's very easy for us to have you as a line item on our P&L because then we can account for what we will have to spend for the year. Whereas if you come with a great value proposition around either it's a new product, either a new service or a new way of engaging, then you make it worth our while to to genuinely share the upside together. And so I get really excited about clear KPIs and bringing those sort of ideas to, to clients, both current clients and, and, and new startups as well. Mm. And just one other point to add to that. I think the conversation about IP is a bit of a misnomer. Mm. Actually, what's more important is um, having a stake in the idea, which doesn't necessarily mean owning IP. It's a slightly nuanced point, but it has caused all manner of complication in our lives until we sort of got over that and got over ourselves because um, actually what we need to do, what we want to do is have a share in the upside um, that the idea, that the product, the service, the experience has um, rather than necessarily the, the legalities of owning the IP and the licences thereafter. Because that's a whole minefield, right, in terms of... Um getting the contracts in place for what you own and how you own it and there's always been this idea that creative agencies kind of give away their ideas for free which is which is what you trade in right and and how you change the way that you contractually remunerate and what what you're buying what you're selling what that is is just immensely complex I mean do you think that you're at a point now that you you and your clients kind of understand how to do that or is it still a really difficult thing that has to get negotiated on a kind of case-by-case basis it's a difficult thing that needs to be negotiated on a case-by-case basis, but we now have a model that's working well for us and it's one which is scalable. Uh, invariably results in us uh, setting up a business off the back of an idea or a product and, and sharing the shareholding of that business. Uh, all the IP, all the licences and everything else off the back of that fall into place. It's infinitely simpler doing it that way. It's a model that's proven itself for us. So we now have equity and a number of businesses that aren't communications businesses. They are products that exist out there in the world and their success will be our success. And do you think it's that sort of diversification that is future-proofing what, what was the advertising industry but I guess is now the broader creative industry? Absolutely. You know, We talk a lot about commercial creativity, which is creativity driving a commercial outcome. 
you know, we don't make ads. Actually, we make loads of ads, but we're not an advertising business. That's not what we do. It's not why you come to us. So it might be part of the output that we produce, um, but actually there's so much more than that. What we bring to bear is creativity um, with the aim of driving a commercial success, and that might be through production or communications. Equally, it could be the development of products, services, utilities, and experiences, um, all of which designed to, to drive a commercial outcome. And I guess we've spoken a lot about um, evolution within creative, but it also has the kick-on effect with business structures, the work, the roles. Um, Last year, Andy Delalo left your agency and you guys are kind of yet to fill that role. How are those traditional creative ECE roles and other roles within your agencies changing? Again, that's a big question. Um, I'm looking at Justin who would jump in and say something typically smart. one one role and, and one person doesn't define a business. Uh, perhaps it did uh, at one point in time in our industry, but certainly not the case now. You know, MNC Saatchi is a confederation of 14 different creative businesses. Uh, we have 600 odd people as part of those businesses. Uh, and we have a creative structure, centralized creative structure that delivers on that, um, ensuring, I guess, a, an end-to-end integration in terms of the creative idea and its integrity. Uh, we have uh, an executive creative director in Michael Canning, um, who is one of the best creative directors in the world. Um, and below him, we have a team of creative directors, all of which could be ECDs of other agencies around town. And those creative directors are charged to manage portfolios of, of, of business, um, the creative product for those portfolios of business. And each of those teams then have teams of people below them. I think we've got 80 people in our creative department. And when you start looking at that, that department, its entirety, you start to see a broader a picture of of how we can bring creativity to bear. We have teams of people who are experts at particular areas of creative and particular channels. We have other creative directors who are broader in their thinking, more platform-based thinkers, those that develop the big ideas that can carry through any channel, regardless of the channel, and pervasive through all areas of the business, from how uh, a brand might recruit its staff all the way through to how it might communicate in the world. And then, as I say, we've got the likes of, of, of Michael, whose job it is to, to ensure that that department and those people work in the most collaborative way that they can. The, the CCO role for us is, is a critical one because that's a, a partner to Justin and I. Their role isn't to sit in edit suites for 12 hours a day um, grading work. Their job is to help chart the future of creativity within the MNC Saatchi group and help us to redefine our role and how we can add greatest value to our clients' business or with the end of driving this commercial creativity. So for us, you know, we, we are thinking about it as a whole department, uh, not a single role. Uh, we've got some of the best people in the country in the kind of key roles that we need. We have one pivotal role, which is the CCO, which we're out in market meeting people and having a ball because what a brilliant role to recruit for because it's not a traditional advertising thinker. It may be. Um, equally, it could be the creative director of Burberry. I guess back to what you mentioned about transparency. Um, James, you referred to Bohemia as the most transparent media agency and Brett, it's always been kind of a key point for you since the beginning. What is one thing that the industry can do better in terms of transparency? Uh, I think embrace it. I mean, the the debate is pretty um, well documented uh, at the moment. I really loved, uh, I think his name was Mark Pritchard, the P&G uh, client out of the States last week. So it's pretty it's pretty well documented what a client uh, wants or deserves. So I think it's time um, that we just shortcut to what the inevitable future is, which is 100% um, transparency 
and focusing on what really matters, which is creating brilliant work that solves business problems. Um, so that's, I, I think, just embrace it, go with it. Um, that's definitely what we're set up to do and what we're looking to, to accelerate and just shortcut, shortcut the debate. Do you think more kind of clients will follow in Mark Pritchett's lead of setting, you know, the boundaries, the four targets that you have to meet or we just, you know, simply won't work with you? Oh, I think absolutely. If you have a look at what's coming down the double NA pipe, there's a, a new contract um, that's, that's stepping it out. So absolutely, yes. There is a challenge around procurement and there's a journey that the industry will go on. Um, and the, the, the end outcome of transparency is there is no vested interest uh, other than what's absolutely right for the client in the brief. It, it, transparency results in schedules that are optimised to the greatest return on client spend, not the greatest return on, on agency effort, and um, which, which is absolutely positive and the right things for clients. The challenge is it's hard to measure um, in the immediate term. So procurement teams will need to go on a journey to understand the model and to see the results. It's not something that will happen overnight, but it absolutely is where we will see ourselves in, at a point in time in the future. All right, well, I think that's all we've got time for today. So thank you very much for joining us, guys. That's all for Podcast, the Ad News Podcast, which is sponsored by The Trade Desk and produced for us by Nova Entertainment. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware.